Hey, what's going on? This is Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. We are back at it, and we find ourselves here in Brooklyn yet again. Perry, how you doing? Pretty good. Bright out and bushy-tailed, surprisingly, on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's early. It's an early show for us, but we're feeling great. We are here at the Wilkie, and we have a very, very special guest. Sir, please uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Brian, Brian Fisher, uh, founder of the, the, the Wilkie here in Bed-Stuy, a beer, craft beer and cocktail bar. And I'm uh, excited to be here. Uh, you know, noon isn't usually, the, even though I'm a bar owner, not that early for me, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it this morning. <laughs> this afternoon, I should say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all right. It's going to be a good start to, yeah. to, a, to a good day. So yeah. the Wilkie, I mean, this is, this is an awesome spot. Uh, obviously, you guys are, are, are known for your, your craft beer, but uh, t- tell us about the Wilkie. Tell us about the concept behind it and how it all got started. Yeah, sure. So... You know, before we hit the record button, I was, was just talking about, I spent a lot of time in, uh, not a lot of time, five years in Chicago. There's a crazy beer scene in Chicago. The culture's uh, pretty awesome um, around beer and, and the, the breweries and the, the beer that's being produced um, from, you know, the Midwest is, is pretty stellar stuff. And and uh, I was I was pretty into craft beer um, at that point already, but really uh, took a dive into it as far as uh, started working at breweries, um, you know, helping out. You know, you guys been to breweries, I'm sure there's a lot of volunteer work that goes into breweries yeah. to make them happen, especially in the early stages. And then volunteers turn into employees. And, and that's kind of like the general process. And and uh, so that, that was um, I, I never like turned into an employee at a place, but um, helped out. And so I got into it and see, you know, kind of saw the nitty gritty of brewing and the manufacturing that what that is. And, and so that was cool. And that, that just, you know, made me, you know, want to want to be around the beer scene more. Um, but but I found that my place had more to do with uh, with serving a beer rather than making it. I mean, as a bar owner and a bartender in in beer bars, um, both you know here in New York and in Chicago, uh, you often get asked, "What uh, you know? Do you make beer?" And uh, you know, they they often ask, "You know, does the Wilkie make beer?" And, and no, we don't. Um, and I'm a classically trained trumpet player. It's actually what brought me to Chicago to do my master's in really? trumpet. Yeah, but I I. I kind of look at playing trumpet the same way because I got the question all the time as a trumpet player, do you write your own music? Right. And I would say, no, <laughs> no, uh, I let the composers do that. And I just play the music. Um, and that's what I enjoy. And that's what my passion is. And that's kind of how I view uh, the, the bar business. And specifically on the beer side, us being a beer bar and that being our focus here is, uh, you know, I like playing the beer. I like, uh, I like serving it, I like talking about it, I like telling the story of the brewers. Um, yesterday we were, uh, me and a bartender went to go uh, up the Hudson Valley to uh, mm-hmm. to check out all those breweries and find, find out a little bit more about their stories um, because we're having an event coming up for um, uh, with, where we're featuring a bunch of Hudson Valley uh, breweries. But I'm sure we'll get into that uh, t- as far as uh, like the, the rest of the history. Um, yeah, I just had a random conversation uh, with a distant family member at a wedding a couple years ago that led to hey, what are you doing? I, 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 like I said, I was in music, and that's kind of what how the conversation started. How's the music going? Where are you playing? What are you doing? And, and I said, you know, I'm not really playing that much anymore. I've really focused on uh, more of uh, my bar and restaurant um, career, and uh, which I've been in for 15 years. I've pretty much only worked in restaurants. I don't really know anything else as, as far as other than going to school and whatnot. Had a couple odd jobs, but it's usually been serving people, which, which I have uh, a passion for as well. Um, even if it's not beer, we just, we just like creating unique experiences and, and what have you. So yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's been a wild ride ever since the, I, you know, like I said, had a lot of experience, opened up five different concepts in the five years I was in Chicago, all different things from fine dining to 
craft beer bar to gastro pub to celebrity chef driven spots. And so I was able to take that experience there. And then I had a lot of franchise experience in, in Florida and kind of folded into uh, what I thought would be the best approach to opening up a, a craft beer bar. And that's kind of what the Wilkie aims to be today. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, do you remember what was the first brewery you volunteered at? Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was in Chicago's all lager based brewery called Metropolitan. And uh, they they, you know, uh, have were always focused. And I and I admired them for that, for being someone who would, uh, you know, wasn't going to cater towards the next trend. Um, and uh, we can, you know, we, I'm sure we can debate. But I, I think arguably one of the trends that's been going on is, you know, just like hop driven beers for the the last, I don't know, eight years probably. And they were like, no, we're just going to make really clean German style lagers and it's going to be a wonderful thing. And we're going to take that risk in a sense, because you can, you can spit out a IPA, um, you know, in seven to 10 days, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes a lager, depending on which style you're making, you know, it's going to take you two months, you know? So it's just, uh, the economics of it aren't as favorable from, a, you know, opening a business, but, um, they were, you know, really about the craft and wanted to produce a product that they were proud of and believed in and let other people do, you know, the, the stuff that they're crazy about. So, yeah, they actually just expanded um, in Chicago into this beautiful facility. I haven't had a chance to visit yet, but yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, I worked on the, the packaging side, just a, a little bit, um, you know, manual, manual labor. But it was really cool because, you know, obviously being in the bar business, you work with your hands a lot. You know, it's very, very physical in a sense. Um, but this was really cool because I don't know if you've ever had the chance to do it, help out on a, a packaging line, but um, they, they were putting all their stuff into 12 ounce bottles. And there was a lot of, you know, you had to be, you were almost like you had to turn yourself into a machine. It was kind of cool, kind of cool in that sense. Um, I remember I was actually talking about this yesterday as, as I was at breweries and we were talking about this one brewery, um, Hudson Valley, they're about to get their own canning line. And so we were talking a little bit about that. And I remember my days on the bottling line and, you know, foot pedal labeler and you just, you had to be in the flow. And man, if you were messing up, you were going to get kicked off the line. <laughs> yeah, even, they, yeah. even when I home brewed a little place in Ohio. You know, they'd have a hand hand capper, but yeah, you'd have a friend just kind of passing to you. Feel to, to yeah, well, yeah, it's a, you, until you hit that stride, you're just right. And the thing with the thing with that's you know very similar, uh, but the next step at like a commercial brewery is like there's a pneumatic machine that's filling the beers and capping them and spitting them off at a pretty pretty sizable clip. Yeah. So I was on the front side of that machine labeling the bottles, um, and then I so I had to keep up with the flow so that when the bottle the machine was ready for more bottles. There so was it was, was kind of cool. And I, I always like that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. even as a business owner, I, I try to maximize and create new efficiencies um, all the time. And so I, I really enjoyed that aspect of, you know, the making of a product, which is, which is really cool and being involved in that. But, but also, you know, trying to be almost machine like and, and right. making sure I don't mess up. And then when you do, it's, it's not, it's not, not the end of the world. Just don't mess up really. But when you do, it's kind of a good thing because you get to drink beer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Now you mentioned you, you, uh, you played the trumpet and Everything about bringing that back, having a trumpet night. No, <laughs> no, that's a. I mean, when it comes out, or or you know, maybe people from my past who are aware of that, you know, uh, the question, you know, definitely comes up, and, and people are are curious about that. Uh, no, man, I, I'm I'm really, you know, obviously trumpet and being a musician is is a creative thing. I played the trumpet for 15 years, um, somewhat professionally, I'll say, um, which was which was really cool, and uh, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot in like work ethic, and and you know, it was a creative outlet, and. I was able to, you know, do see really cool things, you know, tour Austria um, oh, wow. with an orchestra and, and, and do do some really exciting things. Just, you know, and, and as a musician, honestly, you spend a lot of time in bars. So there's yeah. there was that crossover for sure.
but yeah, no, I mean, my creativity, uh, instead of going into trumpet and music now is more, um, into, uh, business building and, you know, serving people and, you know, there's plenty of ways to be creative. And for me, it's more rewarding, um, not just financially, but, but, um, it's just, I just, it's more fulfilling for me. Uh, just, so I don't really, I'm, people ask, I, I have the trumpet on my stand. I was actually talking to my girlfriend last night about it. It, it came up somehow. Um, yeah, talking to actually a, a bartender. If you guys ever been to Split and Dieville, but uh, oh, yeah, or oh, no, yeah. or no, Fernelli, Fernelli. Um, he used to work at uh, Torst, um, but awesome dude. Lives in the neighborhood actually here too. But great bartender. We were hanging out, chatting with him, and he's a musician. And um, he was actually he's a bass player and also DJ and just very talented, uh, creative dude. And and, um, and he was saying, yeah, dude, if you ever want to like get together and play, you know, let me know. And I've gotten that offer so many times, but you know, I just. I, I don't want to. He's like, yeah, I'll just like literally play the same note over and over again. You can do whatever you want. It's, it's kind of like low, low key. It'd be nice and easy. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. The trumpet's on my stand in my office, but well, it's there, right? So it's, it's there. Options never, never it's off the there, table. Yeah. Right? The last time I played it was like, I don't know, probably six months ago, for you know, twenty minutes. But well, yeah, cool. I, I've got plenty of uh, fulfilling, creative things to do. And I guess you know, some people like, get get jealous in a way. They're like, oh my god, you play the trumpet, and then they get mad when I say I don't anymore. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like it's a point of contention. Even I'll just like, you know, being a bartender and, and, and being here at the bar. Not, not that I'm, I'm not behind the bar that much anymore, but, um, you know, I'll get into conversations all the time. And like when somehow the music comes up, just just naturally, I say I don't play anymore. And like like someone I just met will get angry at me. Wow. It's kind of weird. Like, well, why do you why? Why do you stop? Don't stop. Keep going. It like, like tell me to go home and play now. I'm like, yeah, but I don't enjoy it right. anymore. Well, you, yeah. got, you got this other creative. Outlet. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy this. Yeah, for sure. So, so take it, taking a step further back. So what, what initially got you into craft beer? Was there a specific event or, or place um, you went? Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to think. I would say it was kind of an iteration. I remember like getting into to flavors a little bit um, and getting into like on, be- on the beverage side, specifically wine. I got into wine a little bit first uh, via a YouTube show uh, a long time ago. And now the guy is kind of a... Uh, you know, he doesn't know. He's kind of a mentor of mine, you know, as far as, like, what he's been able to achieve in business. He's pretty well-known on the Internet. His name's Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 He has a podcast, actually, called the, the Gary V Audio Experience. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's a very, very successful, uh, you know, entrepreneur, has a l- crazy, you know, fastest-growing uh, digital media agency. and um, But he started in the wine business with his father, and he used to do this show called Wine Library TV. And I used to watch that a lot, and I just got – I just I was really excited about it, um, wine, uh, and just tasting and trying new things, mm-hmm. and and just the craft that went into winemaking, and uh, and so I, I think that eventually there was a, a concept that started in Florida um, called World of Beer. I don't know if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. but they they started in Tampa, Florida, and that's where I um, I, I grew up, just south of of uh, I'm sorry, just north of Tampa. Um, and then went to school in Tampa and managed restaurants and was, you know, in my undergrad for Trumpet. And uh, that's where World of Beer was. And so I, I honestly, I think I really caught the beer bug, if you will, and started really paying attention more to, you know, European imports um, about, shit, I don't know, 2004, probably, mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. And they only had, initially they just had one. But by the time I left, there was a ton. You know, they started franchising the concept. Somebody came from from Outback. And nowadays I'm not... I think I think they've lost their their culture, um, what they were known for, uh, and you know, kind of the truth that they were that they were trying to lead and share with the world. Um, it's gotten a little too, uh, which happens when you grow a business and you start a franchise and expand like that. I think they worked really hard, but um, 
in the beginning and early on growth, but it just the, the, the soul got kind of got ripped out of it. You know, now you can go to one and there's like PBR on tap and, right. uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not, I don't drink PBR, but I don't, I don't care if you do. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. I, I just don't enjoy it. Um, you know, and yeah. it's not, it's not like me being stubborn or like an, you know, an asshole or something. I just, I just don't like it. So I don't, I don't drink what I don't like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. And mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of people do, but anyway, um, I, getting off topic here, uh, rein myself in, but I, uh, yeah, so I went to beer, uh, beer world, uh, world of beer a lot. And, um, and they have like a loyalty program that, you know, kind of encouraged uh, discovery and which was really cool. You got a point for every beer you drank, um, every different beer. And they had a lot of, they have, you know, they would have like 40 beers on tap and, and over 500 in a bottle, um, lots of European stuff. And so that's where my, my journey started. And I kind of think about beer discovery for a lot of people. They kind of, they kind of hit this wheel, uh, if you will, that, um, you know, I feel I find a lot of people. It may be a little different now because of the way even like IPA flavor profiles are becoming more accessible to like right. the mass market drinker. You know, these like juice bomb kind of beers. Mm. But I um, I started with uh, Belgian styles. You know, uh, like Belgian triples and doubles and and you know just like Duval. You know, and classics like that. And, yeah. And it was cool because they had. I mean, they probably had 30, 40 different Belgian like classic Belgian beers. I remember one of my first ones that I like fell in love with. Uh, like triple caramelite. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome. Uh, it's super, super delicious. And uh, yeah, and so I started there. And then I think you start to venture out a little bit. And, you know, like somewhere on this wheel, you start you start trying, you know, maybe you start drinking like pale ales and you like you, you, you're you go from maybe bring in college drinking a lot of light beer or whatever, like Coors Light, Colorado Kool-Aid. You know, and then you maybe go over to like Sierra Nevada, like pale ale, and you start venturing out, and then you're like, oh, pale ale, and then you start to get like maybe a little more extreme in this these really hoppy bitter like West Coast IPAs and doubles and Imperials and things of that nature. And then I think the end of the cycle is is you like my dad, sixty three, sixty four years old. He's he's super into craft beer. He's got a Cicerone beer server certification. He's nice. worked um, wow. on the production side in craft breweries, bartended. This is all like after like retiring and just like like really getting into it. And so it's exciting. We're, I'm definitely a beer family and we'll talk a little bit more about how that, that kind of plays into, to this space, but it's, uh, yeah. So it was, it was a discovery process. And the last thing is, is sours. I find for a lot of people, yeah. um, you know, my dad, the reason why I was bringing him up is cause he basically told me, and I, and I honestly taught it true. Cause I, he would try them, but he was like, I don't think I'm ever going to like a sour. Now he does. He loves them, you know? And I think some of that is to do with, uh, with the way recipes are changing and, and things of that nature. And some of that is to do with, um, with just, you know, it's the journey that I see so many people go through, even the ones, you know, and it's okay if you don't like sours you never, and you never want to like sours. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. The first time I had a sour, I just was, I don't know if it was that particular beer, but I, I just was like, I don't know if sours is for me. But, yeah. But I, I, I mean, feel like a lot of people that, and then also, but then, then may you, you either, there are two things happen. You either develop, right. Yep. And, and your, your palate changes or you just, eventually find the right sour for you. Yep. You know, yeah, cause yeah. there's such like diversity in the, in, oh, the yeah. in the offering and whatnot. I mean, I have a lot of friends that, yeah, it was very much that with pale and IPAs, right? They would taste it and say, Oh, too bitter. Why would I drink that? Right. And I, I would make them have a sip of whatever I was getting yeah. just to build that, build that pot, even the littlest bit. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, you either well, find one like, that you love or right. it, it balances enough that you go, Oh, I, I can deal with this yeah. now. Yeah. And actually yeah. it, it's like spicy food. I always like to say, Sure. You know, first time you have something spicy, it's too spicy. I think spicy. it's like so many things. But as soon as you have a coffee. little bit more, you need a little more, a little more. Oh, and next thing you know, coffee. it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was that way with coffee. Like, I thought coffee was gross. I love the way it smelled. 
it smelled. I thought it smelled nice, but like I would be, you know, best part of waking up, you know, that was, that was cool, but I, I didn't want to drink it. That was gross. Yeah. Uh, Just like the beer depends who's making it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that I had that same feeling about beer. I don't know if you guys did, but I, you know, when I was young and like, you know, I probably had my first beer in, in high school, you gotta be 21 to drink, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's be honest. Disclaimer. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, uh, you know, and it was okay. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. It was like a means to an end, whether it was being cool or, you know, feeling a certain way, whatever. But uh, yeah, and then all of a sudden you get turned on. Like when it was, was Belgians, it was like, oh shit, beers, beer can be really tasty. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people can go through that journey in a lot of different categories. Oh, I yeah. did. I did it with coffee too. Um, uh, I did it with uh, stinky foods. <laughs> we'll say, you know, like some like fish sauce and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I would, you know, I remember like thinking like maybe Asian or something. I, when I was younger, it was like that. That was gross. Yeah, I was at a Thai restaurant last night. I was like, pour on the fish sauce. The stinkier, the better. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, you know, maybe extreme. And I, I think beer, beer kind of can go through that process too. Um, you know, and you see that those trends kind of show up in different style categories where where it just like you know rip my face off either with hops or with acidity or tartness and sour beers. Right. Or alcohol in like just crazy imperial stouts. Yeah. Um, there's the extreme because people, once you get over the hump, you just uh, you want more. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. definitely how we roll in America, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get something reasonable. Let's take it to the next bigger, bolder. Yeah, yeah. literally. Right I on. mean, speaking of extreme, I, I I'm pretty sure this weekend in Boston right now is the extreme Street. beer festival. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm sure they're just getting getting wild and crazy out there with their beers. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about kind of the, the vibe and the feel here. Like, how, how would you, to someone who doesn't know the Wilkie or, or hasn't been here yet, how would you describe the vibe here? So, I, I think it started like the way the, the vibe is created by a lot, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, but it starts with the way we think about like who we aim to be um, and who we want to serve. And, and at our core, we definitely want to be a great neighborhood bar. Um, and what that means is uh, we want to have you know conversation um be you know free-flowing and meeting new people and all of these things that seem kind of commonplace but you go into that's what like you're looking around here we don't have tvs um, yeah, and that's to say that that's why that's, that's why great. we don't have tvs so people will talk i mean there was like two dudes the other day sitting at the bar you know nine o'clock at night didn't know each other came in had a great conversation they ended up playing checkers together <laughs> you know <laughs> you that's go. cool um, and I like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, so neighborhood bar, definitely community building community in these walls that extends, you know, outside of the bar. Um, we've, we've got, you know, with putting that first, we've gotten a lot of, you know, uh, great stories to come out of that. One of the, one of my favorites is, is, you know, we've been open for two years, but there's been people who live in this neighborhood either their whole life or, you know, 10 plus years. And, and I, I remember a specific, um, a couple, two couples, they were like, I, we realized that we're actually neighbors. We lived two doors down from each other, huh. but never met and never knew each other until we sat next to each other at the bar. And I think that's like kind of like the good old school neighborhood vibe, you know, neighbor bar, you know, uh, you it's know, like, it's, it's like it's, the pub life. And yeah. And, and it's a little bit of like a cheers thing. Uh, the guy who just walked in uh, is uh, helps me run the place. His name Dre. He lives in the neighborhood. And he says it's you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling just walking around and like it's like everyone knows him. It's the local bartender. Um, and so that's where we start that's that's really special and 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 that kind of is kind of where the vibe comes out of after that you know we we want to be we care a great deal about you know creating you know individual unique experiences for people around the products we serve um namely being beer uh craft beer we you know we want it to be a craft beer bar that kind of mm-hmm. build uh built up help contribute to 
building up the scene here in uh, in New York because coming from Chicago, I wanted something like, I mean, it was just crazy different. But in the two and a half years um, that I've been here, the, the bar just hit two year uh, two year anniversary. It's it it's been been crazy. I mean, just like the beer we can get and all that stuff. But uh, but I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be part of that, and I think we have in a meaningful way. Um, as far as being like a legit beer bar that that has an incredibly well curated list, you know, and I, I, so I think that speaks to the vibe, but without pretension, right? Um, you know, a lot of people talk about that. We've all been to bars, you know, whether it's beer or, it, you know, it can, the stigma can really show up on the wine and cocktail side mm-hmm. where you are, you know, made to feel a certain way because you don't know enough, you know, and, and, and that's not cool. There's not a place for that here. You know, it can be intimidating to come in here you know, if it's like like you were saying, uh, your buddy who, you know, doesn't like it, but you're always like feeding him a little bit, you know, just to kind of open his eyes uh, to the way. Uh, and it can be intimidating coming in here for somebody like that to look at the list and be like, shit, I just want a Heineken. Yeah. You yeah. know, but we we know that and that's OK. If you just want a Heineken, that's cool. We don't have Heineken, but we do always have a lager on, yeah. and, you know, and we're not going to make you feel bad because you want a Heineken. You know, sometimes I'm having dialogue across the bar and the bartenders, too you know, where we're talking about, uh, you know, well, Hey, what man, what, what do you drink? Uh, you know, it's like, I don't, well, I don't really drink beer. Meaning that they just don't drink any of these beers, um, which is okay. You know, and we're going to, we're going to, and, but at first they're like, they almost don't want to admit that they don't know anything cause right. they feel like they should cause right. craft beer is hot and stuff. But yeah. Uh, so we just help them do that. I'm like, no, it's okay, man. You can literally say whatever. Uh, and I'll ask the question, like, what'd you have recently that you, uh, that you enjoy? Tell me about it. I know all the beers, you know, good, mm-hmm. bad, or indifferent, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know them all. So, um, generally speaking, and I'm not a know-it-all, but yeah. And so we'll have that conversation. We'll put them onto something that they, you know, like. And if they're maybe they'll just describe something, and it kind of speaks to me flavor profile, and I'll take them in a direction they never really thought of, and, and then it becomes a cool discovery for them. And and they're not so hung up on you know them not knowing enough. They don't need to know. They just need to know that we're here to take care of them, and and it doesn't matter if you know we we, we want to meet people at all levels. So whether you're a super beer nerd, um, we curate a list that, that will definitely uh, cater towards that. And if you just like to drink beer or just drink in general or be served and, you know, have a good, you know, community, neighborhood environment, you know, we, we try to cover all those, ba- all those bases. And I think they all work together well because we what we also don't want to do is, is be, you know, too all over the place that we don't know who we are. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm ha- happy to say and, and believe that, you know, you ask our customers and, and you'll get a similar response to what I just gave because, because it shows up in the in the way we we serve people and the conversations we have. Very cool, very cool. And now, and now how many beers do you have here on tap? We have eighteen. And you guys also, um, do you guys also offer can- some cans, right? We do, yeah. And um, so with the eighteen beers we have, there's um, kind of one through eleven. This is um, something that is, you know, more behind the scenes. Not everyone knows this unless you come here frequently. One through eleven is structurally the same, um, style wise. So that means, like, uh, if you look at the menu, number two is always going to be some sort of lager beer. Number three, always an actual pale ale. Four, an IPA. Five, a double IPA. Um, number one is always some sort of, like, nitrogen, like, stout. So that, you know, if someone comes in here, there's a, a Guinness drinker, and maybe Guinness is all they know, we, we're going to have some for them. And, nice. you know, it lends great texture to some beers. And, yep. mm-hmm. um, kind of not as popular as it used to be, but that's fine. We still – so we one through 11, you know, we always have a cider on. Um, and the reason why we do that is for is two reasons. Um, one, we want people to, regardless of what they're looking for, we'll always have something for them. You know, if they're like, if they like just, you know, a Newcastle drinker, I haven't heard that one in a long time, but, but used to get that one a lot across mm. the, you know, like 
the the beer uh, beer bar from like someone right venturing out out of their waters and like I don't know man I just drink Newcastle um, cool brown ale's great let's let's get you going and we always have we always have a brown ale you know sometimes that's a brown ale like Bell's Brass Brown sometimes that's an ESB um, you know extra special bitter which is yeah. a darker malty kind of English style old school style beer but um, so yeah and then the other twelve through eighteen we we just we we get weird and um, <laughs> we get weird fun and you know seasonal. What, what have you. And we, we mix up, you know, in one through 11, it's not, it's not the same style or it's the same style. It's not the same brewery or beer every time it changes. It changes every time. Um, yeah. And the, the other thing too. So like when you start coming here a lot, there's, there's people who don't really look, they trust the curation and they trust everything they have. And so they just order number four or number two, because they know they like what comes in that slot. Gotcha. That's kind of fun for us. Nice. And of course, you guys also serve serve alcohol. You serve cocktails. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, that. yeah. And you were asking like package wise. So yeah, we uh, pri- primarily our focus is on the draft side, and I uh, my, it's my belief from you know my experience and um, both as a consumer and you know um, uh, an owner and a server of these products that oh, I I think too often uh, places have too much package offering and it just sits on the shelf. And some of these styles, it's not okay for it to do that. Some right. they are. Um, so we have a limited package offering. We, we keep something simple uh, in, a, in a can, always like Narragansett. And then, you know, we, we kind of uh, diversify our cider offering a little bit um, on the package side. So we have a couple different um, ciders. We always have one on draft and then two, three, sometimes four in a, in a can or bottle. Um, and then uh, we always have like an actual like go-to pale ale. Uh, right now it's Daisy Cutter um, mm-hmm. from Half Acre. Very nice. And then we always have... Uh, some sort of like simple approachable sour um, in a can. So like something like- uh, Like pig skill or something. Yeah, I, actually, do they can that? I don't know if they can. I yeah, like, like the I've, simple sour. Like I've gotten The simple can. sour is great. It's kettle sour, it's, it's, it's great gateway beer yeah. um, for, for people getting turned on to sour. So we always have something that's like, like a Sierra Nevada Ultra Vase or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. You know, something that uh, kind of can someone op- open someone's eyes to a particular style. Hold on one sec. Sure, sure, got a local coming through. Yeah, and uh, they can kind of start there, and if you know, maybe if they want to, they like sours and they want to try them, and we, you know, we'll have just maybe one on the menu, uh, you know, then they can venture in the package side. And then the last thing, uh, where where people usually get crazy is like large format bottles, and you know, there's a lot of breweries that put stuff cool, their cool stuff in large format bottles, and sometimes it's the only way to access stuff. But so often, man, you go to a place like I worked at a bar in Chicago that you know, gosh, we had like twenty or thirty. Large form, that's too much. And the only way we sold it is, is honestly because of me, because I knew what they were. So often the bartenders have no clue because it's like the, you know, like you can't touch that. It's yeah, expensive. Fancy, you know, right? One, and yeah. it doesn't sell. It doesn't move. Now with like imperial stouts and, you know, bottle conditioned Belgian styles and sours and things like that, you can hold on to them for a long time and that's fine. Uh, but we didn't want to take up. So we only have one large form of bottle and it changes. Sometimes it's a fancy fun sour. Sometimes it's an imperial stout. You know, sometimes it's just something weird and fun and you know pricey um from like firestone walker but but you know we, and i price it we don't you know like some firestone walker stuff you know based on the cost you'll see bars selling it for like 40 dollars a bottle and then that's another reason why it just sits yeah you know where i'll i'll charge half of that yeah 22 dollars for the same bottle just because i'd rather you know someone like like us maybe who knows beers and knows some of those cool things like you know sticky monkey from fire firestone walker um, and then you see it, you're like, you know, for $22 for like, a um, a 22 ounce, like bomber, you, you're like, oh man, 
I'd love to try that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's cool. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, so the package offering stays kind of simple and, you know, you know like 10, 10 items or so. Um, not like 40, 50, 60, 100 like you see. Even that world of beer, like I was talking about earlier, kind of how I got started. I love that discovery process. And if they're in a busy area, it's great. Like, I don't know if you guys ever been to Ginger Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have so many taps there. Yeah. Like 70 plus, I think, 72 or maybe even more. And very few places can make that work. I, I you know, I believe that they do because they're in like Manhattan and like Midtown. Yeah. You know, so they have the foot traffic and just the population density to serve and move through that stuff. But I tell you, man, there's still stuff they got to be they got to be sitting on. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, and so that's kind of 18 is the upper limit for that. You know, I think 12 to 18 is a sweet spot. The bar that I was just talking about referring to in Chicago that that I worked at, uh, we had, you know, like a huge package offering side by side, almost like Florida, you know, ceiling deli style cooler Two, <laughs> two of them. Yeah. Full of package. And then we had 36 taps and three beers on cask. Uh, so it was just, it was too much, you know, you get it, and then it gets into like decision fatigue and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd rather for us, we, we, you know, we just believe we'll, like, we'll, we'll do our work, you know, we'll work a little harder to curate a list across a, sm- a smaller limited number of lines instead of just like, just throwing a bunch of stuff on and, you know, covering all your bases that way. Uh, yeah. And then we, yeah, we, it's cool. I, I've actually just started to have to change the way I talk about what we do because it's something we're actually known for, but we have plenty of regulars here who could care less about craft beer. And I know this is a, you know, uh, craft beer show but it's you know the truth about the wilkie it's like people there's people come in here and they just like the good the good vibe um sure, like being not? taken care of service wise which right. is which is which is meaningful to us um or they they love cocktails we have a pretty strong cocktail program uh we have four four featured cocktails um on the menu that that changes up about every two to three months uh seasonally and then you know the bartenders are very uh talented and you know they're professionals they can you know make anything in, in a classic way, uh, well-made. So I, I, I honestly think that there's, I don't know, uh, we give some cocktail bars a run for their money as far as um, uh, around here that I've been to, as far as our quality and standards and ability to uh, make wonderful drinks. Get the bo- best of both worlds here. Yeah, right? Right? yeah. And without, you, without being too confused. So so the cans, that's all, that's for on-site consumption, correct? <clears throat> yes. And then, yeah. But you also do do like a growler kind of yeah. growl to, grow, to, to go? Yeah, we do. And I, I kind of... Uh, shied away from that for a little while for a couple of reasons. One of them is in Chicago, you cannot legally sell a growler unless you are the producer of that product. So basically the only person who can sell a growler is, is the manufacturer of the brewery. And this is the same, I think, I want to say it's the same in California too. There's a lot of places that adopt this law. So when I came to New York, um, I initially realized it was different, but when I was talking to a lot of um, more on the bartender side, going to beer bars that offer growlers, you know, I, there were some places I would be at and I would, I would say, you know, how, when was the last time you sold a growler? And, and, you know, I'd get a response like, I don't remember when, hmm. you know? And I think, so I, I didn't do it for a little while because I was, I was hesitant and I didn't think that it would, you know, it pan out and be worth, you know, buying the glass and stuff. But actually, uh, we do really well with growlers. Yeah, better than, any other, I know. And so I think we make a point to, you know, like it's on the menu in, 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 a, in a pretty clear way. We, you know, we have signage and things like that that help so people know. But because... Of the part of bedside that we're in, um, somewhat of a beer desert, if you will, um, until we showed up and we uh, were able to, you know, give stuff to those people, um, you know, and have have an avenue for them to get great beer uh, without having to, you know, physically sit somewhere else to consume it, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So now, are, are there what what breweries 
out there right now are, are really kind of impressing you? What, what are some of the breweries that you're like, yeah, you know, I need to have their stuff here? You know, I, I would say it's uh, like it's kind of crazy, you know. So hey, there's a whole local, you know, in addition to craft beer kind of ties in the whole, you know, you know, buy local movement, if you will. And um, I think it's really special what's happened locally. So um, I lean into those those opportunities as much as possible not just because of the the hype and the movement of just like being local and supporting those business but because the quality is there a lot of good beers local yeah which which is uh which is which is great but i'll also say and i've said this before i even say that i won't buy beer just because it's local there's breweries that we don't support because i just don't i don't i don't think the quality's there or i don't it doesn't it doesn't land well with me for sure. for whatever reason and i'm okay saying that <laughs> yeah. and i i i i think it's my responsibility um you know here for our customers to 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 have that standard yep. and i think that people respect that and they come in here for that um so some of the breweries that really you know there's a there's a you know we get the question someone said you know someone maybe from out of town like what what's local what what can i not get somewhere else and it's pretty cool to turn around and you look at the list i mean we can even look right now and let's see that's uh, one single cut. You four, got Grim, five, Arts, Green six, Boy, Folks, seven, Beer, eight, Swoop, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven of the eighteen beers are from New York, and you know quite a few of them are Brooklyn specifically. Yeah, uh, we got Industrial Arts Wrenches. They're like yep. Northeast New England style IPA, if you will. So hazy, kind of juicy fruit. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, and that's the cool thing. When I first moved here, I honestly thought I was going to have to really capitalize on a lot of my Midwest relationships, um, you know, and really, uh, you know, try to, and that. That was the way we were going to curate our list. And that's slowly, um, you know, changed because the growth, you know, as I'm sure you guys know with, with the podcast and just being, you know, uh, enthusiast yourself, it's like, there's, there's what's going on in the last two years in the New York beer scene is, is pretty Oh yeah, it's like a meteoric rise of, of what's showed up, um, and it's just it's getting even more crazy even this year. You know, you got like Grim uh, opening in Bushwick pretty yeah. soon here. Uh, Evil Twin is building a, a facility that's going to be super gnarly. McKellar, uh, McKellar, because because yeah. can't let can't let one without the other do. You know, <laughs> yeah. gotta show up. Yeah, McKellar at City Field. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Big. got Queens Brewery opening too. They got a big facility where they yeah. are at. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, like even I think you're having some folks beer. Yep. It, uh, you know, those guys are new, and they're they're still. I think they're still waiting on their uh, brewing equipment because they still brew on a really small setup. But man, they got a huge triple decoction uh, brewery uh, brew house being made with horizontal tanks and stuff for lagering. Oh wow! Um, that's gonna be crazy. And the, the facility they're in, I don't know if you guys have ever been over there, but it's huge. Yeah, it's a really nice space. Yeah. It's huge. Um, like it's huge, a lot, and a lot of people don't realize how big it is because you sit in that tiny little tap room. Yep. What la- what lies beyond that? I don't know if you've seen it. It's gigantic. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I mean, they're gonna have like you know horizontal sixty you know seventy barrel tanks like stack three high. Wow. wow. You know because they have this, it's it's a big it's a big place and so stuff like that's cool and I think it was you know somewhat legislation change that allowed uh, breweries to have tap rooms and stuff and so financially it made more sense and allowed them to. You know, uh, give it a go and open up. Like I love KCBC. Um, yeah. Close with those guys. We did, we do. Uh, we just had our second anniversary, and we, you know, did a beer collaboration with them, and they're just they're just awesome. You know, sometimes big beer lets you down in a sense, and I know KCBC always always has our back. You know, sometimes we won't get a delivery we're expecting, and you know, we might have like something open mm-hmm. um, on the board, and we need to get a beer on, um, and I'll just call KCBC, and they'll like literally drive it right over. 
nice. or I'll go get it. And that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. like super local and great from like a business standpoint. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's like beer keg yesterday, you know, it's super fresh and awesome. And, and that's a great way to drink beer. And so we have so many options Absolutely. like those guys. And I mean, um, we were at the sampler two days ago and they were talking about they would walk them over. Yeah. Basically yeah. Across the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're right around the corner. Yeah. yeah. I've literally been at KCBC when they're like, when I've seen the guys like leave with like a little funny, like little dolly thing that just clips onto a keg and basically adds wheels to it. And they just, I've even done that. Like, Hey, can I borrow that thing? And like, walk, I'm just walking down the street with the keg. Yeah. <laughs> it's good service. Right. Yeah. So two years, you guys are going strong. What do you see in the, in the immediate and the long term future of the Wilkie? I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're having a great success serving our, uh, our community, uh, locally here, like in proximity to the bar, but also the beer community at large in New York. Um, things are going really well, uh, right now. Um, you know, I've, I've, of course people, uh, you know, when's Wilkie two come in, when are you going to open up another one? I've thought about it. Uh, we've made strides in certain areas, but as of right now, there's nothing, nothing, um, planned, uh, for expansion necessarily. We're just, uh, you know, excited to continue to serve uh, this community and, and, uh, you know, enjoy beers and drinking together. So yeah, just keeping it, keeping it, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just in, enjoying with what we got and enjoying serving people. We have events um, just about every month to keep keep things fresh uh, um, as far as that goes for, you know, our regular clientele. And, yeah, let's kind of see how it goes from there. Nice. You got any, uh, any, any new events, anything new coming up you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, we – so at the end of the month here, uh, February 24th, um, it's a Saturday. Uh, we open at 2 p.m., we will be doing a Hudson Valley um, event, and that's not not to be mistaken with just Hudson Valley Brewery. Although they will be part of the event, it'll be featuring beers from the Hudson Valley region of New York, nice. which kind of like um, we were just talking about with you know uh, Brooklyn, uh, the beer scene in New York City, you know five borough beer scene exploding. Um, there's been a lot of um, growth up up in that region, and some really great beers uh, like breweries like Suarez Family, mm-hmm. Sloop, and Hudson Valley Brewery. Grass cider, and uh, yeah, actually, I was just yesterday I went up there and visited. Um, we went to Peekskill, Hudson Valley, Newburgh, Rushing Duck, and Industrial Arts. Um, all, all those breweries, and and you know, some Sounds others like will be will be featuring. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, we were bouncing around, and uh, yeah, uh, hospitality was great. Um, all those all those guys learned about some of the story behind um, some of those brands, which was which was really cool and exciting. And yeah, so we'll be pouring. I think I think right now we have slated we have 15 of the 18 beers will be from the Hudson Valley. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Sounds like a good sounds like a good event. Yeah. Um. So if people want to find out more about the Wilkie, where can they go? Like, we, what's your Instagram website? All that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh. So we try to stay pretty active, and you know, I, you know there's there's no debate that Instagram is there's a lot going on there. I mean, that's yeah, actually yeah. how we we connected. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know, and honestly, that's how I've connected. Like. There's so many people. I'm um, trying to think. Uh, like, uh, we have a really dope mural on the side of our building. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that became as as a result of Instagram. I was following this uh, graffiti artist on Instagram, and I just DM'd him, and he turned out he was in Boston. And I said, "Do you ever do anything in New York?" And he says, "Like, actually, the guy who I do my work with is in New York." And it turns out the mural was done by a guy um, we connected over Instagram who owns a tattoo sh- tattoo shop um, in Williamsburg. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, and so all because of connecting Instagram. people. Yeah, our the guy the draft choice um, is uh, a draft installer and you know a maintenance service provider um, that pretty much all the top 
breweries and like you were talking about queens brewery opening up draft choices installing their stuff they did the work for hill farmstead they do they do all they do great stuff and uh uh they did our they installed our draft system and uh and they they maintained it for us and they uh i met them on instagram you know so on instagram we are at the wokey bar mm -hmm. the wokey is w-i-l-k-y so the wokey bar and then it's the wokey.com uh Website's just straightforward. It has everything you need. We keep our, our beer menu is live up to date. When something changes on the draft list, it's changed online. So you can always check in the wookie.com slash beer and see what we're pouring. Um, also on beermenus.com, um, um, our menu is live there. Um, also on Untapped um, at the Wookie and uh, facebook.com slash the Wookie. Uh, it's kind of where we, we, we primarily use Facebook for just, uh, uh, you know, gathering everything for events and whatnot um and right. promoting that way uh which is which is cool and yeah so the wilkie bar the wilkie bar on instagram and pretty much the wilkie everywhere else facebook website yeah and so we we try to we you know try to stay active and, and build community like i said outside of these walls definitely on instagram uh we have a strong following there and uh you know love love uh engaging with people so yeah if you're listening to the show hit us up shoot us a dm i don't know have fun with it. There you go. And and what are the hours of operation? Uh, so we open Monday through Friday at 4 and open Saturday and Sunday at 2. And then we close every night of the week at 2 a.m. As okay. far as food, which we, we do offer here, which is, you know, pretty pretty classic like sandwiches. Um, I grew up in, in Tampa, Florida, which is known for the Cuban sandwich. Mm -hmm. So we have a great Cuban on the menu. Um, we serve food every night of the week until 11. And then Fridays and Saturdays, we serve food till 1. Very, very cool. And, and, and really quickly, I know there's a little bit of uh, uh, interesting backstory behind the name. So how you guys came up with the name? Yeah, absolutely. So, my, so I was, was talking about my dad a little bit earlier and there's de definitely family. My dad actually helped me uh, open this place in, in uh, like from a physical manual labor standpoint. And, you know, just uh, moral support, too, is really exciting to to do something like that. You know, my dad a month before was like painting the bathrooms. And and then the really cool thing is like, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that um there's some great restaurants that you know were built by a family together like this place was but the, the coolest part is i was able to then work with my dad behind the bar um you know so my dad wow. me and my dad were bartending together you know the first month or so ah, nice uh, which is awesome i, I mean yeah. i such a cool such a cool feeling and experience to be able to do that and i'm grateful but interestingly enough it's actually the name comes from the other side of the family my mom's side my mom my mother's maiden name is wilkinson and uh, i just remember as a kid um Wilkie being like a, an abbreviation nickname. Nobody was called Wilkie, um, but it, you know, my, my uncle had a boat called the Wilkie way. And, uh, I think my mom's email, excuse me, email address was Wilkie something. And yeah, I just remembered Wilkie. And so we thought that when we were opening and I was actually the wedding I was at where the conversation, um, happened, that was like kind of the start of this whole thing was at like a Wilkinson family wedding. Okay. Um, so yeah, it kind of came full circle and we thought we would definitely, um, it, it would be great to give a nod to, to that side of the family, um, you know, in the name. And it also, when we, when we came up with it, you know, Wilkie, it's kind of silly, um, funny, uh, in a way. It's it, unique too. Yeah. yeah like you say, out. you say Wilkie and it kind of makes you like smirk or smile a little bit. Cause it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's like kind of a silly, fun name, uh, which, which, which we like too. So there's, there's, there's that side as well. And, uh, yeah, stands out simple five. I like the idea. It's five letters. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty, but yeah, we put some thought into it. <laughs> it's good. It's good but, marketing too, right? Yeah. 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 Except, I mean, there is, there's a lot of, 
you know, it, when you have a name like that, you know, there's a lot of misspellings and and uh, mispronunciations. But that's kind of funny, you know, getting called the Willie. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes happened. Eh, well, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Perry, any any uh, as as we kind of hit hit towards the, the close of the show, any any final questions, comments for our um, guest? No questions. I would just say. Uh, this is actually one of the first bars I went to when I was looking at apartments up here. Oh, that's cool. Um, passing through Bed-Stuy. And oh, yeah. And you ended up in Gowanus, though, right? I, I am now, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was looking all over Brooklyn. That's so. awesome. Yeah, no, that's actually... I, I that's stopped actually... in here and met Dre and had a beer, had a cool. nice chat. I mean, yeah. It's very much what you said. No, we like, love that. that. Is, we... That is what I experienced. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say. It's another thing to do it. So, that's cool. That's cool to hear. You know, and, and it's exciting for us. There's a lot of people who we, we meet on apartment hunts because, um, you know, New York is such a crazy place. People come in here all the time, and especially into this neighborhood. There's a lot of growth and change, man. In the two and a half years that um, I've lived here um, when I moved here from Chicago and then we opened six months later. Um, and, yeah, it's just there's so much, so much change and growth, and um, it's, it's, it's wild. And so it's cool. I mean, there's been stories that people, like, yeah, decided to buy, buy this house. Like, I wasn't sure. I was kind of on the fence on the block here. And then I came to the bar, and I was like, you know what? This is a good neighborhood. <laughs> Deciding like, factor. I was like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's, 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 uh, it's cool. What's your local spot that, that you go to? Uh, for me, it's the Owl Farm. Oh, and that's great. And it was great. a similar deal. I was, I went to see a place nearby and I was like, this bar is awesome. So if this place is good, I'm, I'm pretty much set. Yeah, no, that, so. that's great. I love the Owl Farm. They do, they do a great job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So now is there um, any, any, any parting words that you'd like to leave our audience? Anything that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Anything you want them to know about uh, this fine establishment here? Uh, no, I think, I think, I think we've, we've had a great conversation and uh, you know, if I, the only thing I would say is uh, if you've heard about us and haven't been in, uh, come give us, come give us a shot. Um, you know, hang out with uh like Perry saying Dre or uh, some of the other amazing bartenders uh, we have. Um, and if this is the first time you're hearing about us, cool. You can actually jump on um, on our website and uh, and get a free beer, which is exciting. We Who doesn't away, love free beer, right? We give away free beer um, pretty regularly. Uh, it's fun for us, yeah. So you jump on, just enter your email, and we'll shoot you a, a, um, like a, a special like offer code with a bunch of fancy numbers in it and just bring that in and – you can get um, you know any 16 ounce beer on our draft list for free um, for your first time. So nice. If if you needed more, uh, just to push over the edge to come check us <laughs> out. There it is, free beer. There you <laughs> go. I mean, you just had us at beer, but free beer. That's even better. <laughs> so uh, th- thanks for hosting beer today, beer tomorrow. Really appreciate uh, you know taking some time to to chop it up with you. Uh, th- thanks so much. And yeah, uh, for the audience out here, if you've never been, we definitely we definitely recommend the Wilkie. Definitely come down, uh, check out the place, cool spot. And if you've been, just what are you waiting for? Come back. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Beer today. Beer we like tomorrow. repeat offenders. Repeat offenders are good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time. Drink local. Drink fresh. Repeat. Cheers. Hey, this is Peter from Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Brian. He's a good guy, and his bar sells good beer, so he's all right by us. The Wilkie definitely gets the BTBT goon seal of approval. Now, don't tune out just yet. We got a little bit of bonus content this week for you. Just a little bit, a little bit. I recently had a chance to check out a Ballast Point sculpting session at Beer Authority in Manhattan, and I wrote a blog about my experience. The blog dropped earlier this week, and you can check it out at Beer Today, BeerTomorrow.com. It's appropriately titled Ballast Point and an Evening at a Sculpin' Session. It was basically a Sculpin' 101 session focusing on the famous IPA, and it was pure 
beer geekery. It was informative, entertaining, and I got to hand it to the Ballast Point reps. Some of them were in the midst of back-to-back sessions coming from another bar, and yet they still kept it positive and upbeat during the presentation. The best part of it all was free beer, of which I helped myself to quite a bit of. They were pouring OG Sculpin and Unfiltered Sculpin, and you can catch my reviews of those beers, along with an overview of the history of Ballast Point in the latest blog, which again is on the BTBT website. I also touch on the whole craft versus non-craft debate as well, so be sure to check that out, weigh in, let me know what you think, let the goons know how you feel about all this. And I have to say, big major shout out to uh, Benedict Beerblog and his wife, Finally got to connect with them, have a few pints. They're definitely cool peeps. So again, shout out to them. Check out Benny's blog at benedictbeerblog.com. Shout out to Benny Blanco. Or check the link in the recent BTBT blog. Have you visited the BTBT store at beertodaybeertomorrow.com? It is your premier destination for all of your BTBT needs. We got shirts. We got glassware. We got what you need, kid. Visit the BTBT store today. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We greatly, greatly appreciate your support. Keep listening, and uh, we'll uh, check you all out next week. Cheers.